You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 141. Uh, my name is Marvin Yu, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. We have once again self-proclaimed professional Asian American just you. Pew 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 pew. Oh, maybe that's poor timing, but yes. Um, yeah, I'm back. I'm I'm in it. I'm watching things. I'm watching watching a lot of films. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are good. So that fills me with hope. Yeah. Um, that's probably all I should say, because still deep in the process and <laughs> haven't officially, you know. But yeah, no, it's good. I'm I haven't wanted to stab my eyes out. So yeah, that's a good sign that um the quality of Asian American media has improved. I think it's just you know, like we always said, the more people make, the better everyone gets. Yeah, volume shoe. Yeah. Um, and then we're also, you know, also I think we're at the point as a diaspora community in this country where like we can get beyond the one hundred and one stories. So it's it's nice to see more creative takes on a lot of the themes. Still a lot of dead moms. Still a lot <laughs> of uh, you know, immigrating's hard, and all these things are true. But and very relevant to our, uh, I think a lot of our lived experiences. But it's also like, oh, like we don't, we, we can do it in a little funner, more fun ways. Yeah. And for those people who are confused, Jess has returned to the land of professional Asian Americans in her new role as a film festival programmer. So welcome, welcome. programmer. Yeah, I actually didn't think I'd ever do this, but uh, it's been <laughs> fun to be kind of like focused on just the content and not the full development. Um, cause before I used to work with the whole package, right? Like the writer and the system. And now I just get to watch the final thing and be like, that's good. Or like, yeah. mm, not there yet. But now we are rivals. Jess and I are now programmers for rivals. We are programming festivals. for different. No, we are, we are, we are all, we are all in the same boat. We are, was it rising tides lift all boats? Um, and, and I am excited to see what your festival will end up picking Marvin. And I hope you end up coming to, to, to the one I am helping out with. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been to that one. So, uh, maybe we should make a trip together. You should come. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. When is this? Uh, in the one month that we exist, Han. Oh, May. That, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not right here right now. So, okay. We'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah. You, you are, rec- you do record in the dark. So it is kind of like talking <laughs> to a spooky ghost. Um, also joining us, the most professional of culture editors, Han Win. Hey, Han. Hi. Have you um have you caught up on all your Korean dramas yet, or are you still like knee deep? I, I feel like that's going to be a process of a couple of decades. <laughs> um, but as far as my current Korean dramas, no, because the the one I'm liking the best, and I I guess I'm sneaking this is uh, Crash Course in Romance is um being released weekly. So I won't get all the episodes until sometime in early March. Um, so if we're even just talking about my current K-dramas, no, I'm not done with it. But uh, I mean, I mean, it's one that I'm excited to watch every week. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like you are now my number one source of news for K-dramas to recommend. To people, I know. So. I feel like this came on so fast and furious. So, Ooh. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think for the longest time, you know how when we first talked about uh, Four Weddings and the Funeral, the series. Mm-hmm. And I remember just kept saying, like, I prefer my rom-coms in, in TV form because you can build character. And then finally, I was like, duh. That's what K dramas are. <laughs> so mm. I was like, there's just like this wealth, this whole library of stuff that I enjoy. Um, and uh, I, I, Marvin knows this. I joined another Slack, and finally, I found my people. <laughs> <laughs> um, that uh, I found, we created a K drama um, channel, and even created a spreadsheet, <laughs> so that way wow. we can recommend stuff to each other. Wow, nerdy as fuck. I love this. Uh, anyway anyways uh we're not here to talk about Han's k-drama adventures we are here to talk about the new peacock original series poker face um created by um knives out director ryan johnson which is his spin on the uh, murder of the week detective series starring um natasha leone um that we are all super into uh but before we get to that let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through this week um jess let's start with you what's popping 
so again, because of my job, haven't had a lot of time to engage of extra screen time, uh, extracurricular screen time. But of course, I took the time to watch the trailer for Fast X. Yes. What I colloquially call Fasten, Fasten Your Seatbelts, the oh. latest installation of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Okay, off the bat, what the fuck is EGOT winner Rita Moreno doing in this movie? <laughs> Being um, awesome. There's like four Oscar winners in this movie. Yes. Like, no lie. It's Helen Mirren. We see Helen Mirren. Um, Brie Larson's in it. She's also an Oscar winner. People forget. And um, Jason Momoa is the new bad guy. And then we get Dom's son, who looks nothing like Dom's son from the other movie. Um, and, you know, the family is threatened once again. Uh, we're getting international locations. Rome. We're going back to LA. Uh, we are Charlize Theron and Michelle Rodriguez are going to get into some like one-on-one melee fighting. I'm excited. I know there was some drama with Justin Lin leaving. That's very unfortunate. Um, you know, good for him. I'm sure Vin Diesel is a pain to work with. I don't care. I'm going to watch this movie. I'm so excited. Did you guys see the trailer? <laughs> I think I shared it across all my slacks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How could you not? I mean, um, even just for curiosity, right? Because Fast 9 gave us the family in space. I just <laughs> want to know if you were right, if they were going to go with time travel and dinosaurs and Godzilla, um, Godzilla and Transformers. No, I mean, you know, I am, as you know, getting married later this year in Italy. Um, so we had already planned on like stopping by Rome just because it's, uh, the the connect a lot of you know connections go through there, and I was just like, there's a running jug me and Raymond have that we're gonna hit every single major location in the Fast and Furious franchise. We've done pretty good, like just overall in our life, and are very fortunate to have a lot of global travel. Um, so I'm like, so we going and recreating parts of this movie on our honeymoon, right? Uh, he's like, yeah, duh. Uh, and then when they flash like ride or mm-hmm. die, I legitimately shed a tear. I'm so excited. Because um, that's also what I think we're gonna get engraved in our rings, um, and I, I, I am a you know I I love this franchise. Um, I don't know if we need even the dinosaurs. I think we root it back to family and fast driving cars. I think everyone will still have a good time. I do like the fact that since this is the conclusion, supposedly of the Fast Saga, that basically we are getting like the Avengers team up of every bad guy that they've ever effed over throughout the entire series in one movie. Um, and my prediction is at the end, they'll all be family. Well, be someone made a comparison barbecue. that he's kind of like Goku in which, you know, enemies become family. Mm-hmm. Um, Vin Diesel does seem like a um, better father than Goku. I will say that. Uh, not a better father than Piccolo. But I'm just... I'm just excited, you know, like I, I, I love I already bought my tickets to see it with a bunch of friends at the biggest IMAX. It, I mean, it comes out May. Um, I don't think I have planned this far ahead or for a film in a while. Like the Marvel Marvel train lost me a while ago. So I'm hyped. But then there's another trailer that I watched that I was not waiting for. I just came across my algorithm and i'm like i did not even realize this movie was coming it is the ones you love it it, which is a Mm -hmm. novel adapt which is adaptation movie Mm -hmm. adaptation of a novel by taylor reed jenkins the woman who was famous for writing uh seven husbands of evelyn hugo and daisy Daisy jones and the six like like very big bestsellers i've not read any of her stuff but this is a so this is a adaptation of a popular romance novel and it stars Philippa Sue, Simu Liu, mm. and that one white guy who looks like Aaron Eckhart, but is not Aaron Eckhart. I think his name is Luke something. The ones you love. Ones with a with a with a cap with an S, because that's important. Because the premise of this is that she's married to this dude, and then he is goes missing. He's in the military. Because of course he is. It's like the vibe of these books goes missing, presumed dead. So in her grief, she reconnects with an old friend, played her old best friend, played by Simu Liu, and then they fall in love again, engage. But twist, he's actually still alive. So what is what is she to do? 
Um, I watched this on Valentine's Day. That's when it hit my algorithm. And then for the rest of the night, I proceeded to grill my fiance what he would do if I died or was presumed dead. And like four years passed and he had moved on. I'm like, and I came back and I'm not dead. Like, who would he choose? And he was like very like certain. He's like, I go back to you. I was like, you say that. But would you? Would you? Isn't this just a plot to um, what was that Tom Hanks movie? Where he's stuck on the island. It's it's Castaway. It's the ending yeah. of Castaway. Exactly. Without all the Castaway stuff. But it's, okay, sorry. It's One True Loves, um, starring Luke Bracy. It's the dude from Holiday, the Emma Roberts Netflix rom com. Oh. Yeah. And I'm just like, where was this movie? Um, I don't know if I could take any of them seriously as a love interest. I don't think I could take Zimu Lu seriously as a love interest. I'm not gonna lie, um, and and again, but you know, it's Asian. But, we love but, that. But don't you want to see? Don't you want to just see if he could pull it off? I kind, of, you know, the part of me that doesn't like to be stressed out while, like, while watching movies really just wants to like Google like who who does she choose at the end? Um, I might wait for this one to come on streamer, but I am I am if, fascinated. If, 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 if I'm lucky, maybe I'll get a, a screening link for it. And we can just <laughs> yeah. It seems more like romance boohoo instead of romance haha, and I'm more of a romance haha kind of gal. Yeah. Um. But yes, it's it's fascinating. I I wonder how this will be received. You know, Taylor Jenkins read the author is is really big. I know people are super excited about Daisy Jones and the Six and everything, which is also a movie coming out. So we'll see. I'm just yeah. so oh, it's a series coming out. I mean, I just I, think it's so weird that this yeah, is basically like this is legitimately Fleetwood Mac fan fiction, like Daisy Jones and the Six. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the opportunity for Philippa Sue to maybe start her new career as rom com or romance front woman. Yeah, she hasn't done a lot of movies even post Hamilton, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I feel like her talents are kind of wasted on this, but we'll see. Not having read this, but only having read Daisy Jones and the Six, I think a lot of people love that because it kind of digs into the nuances of emotions, even if it's uh, sort of a unrequited or unfulfilled sort of love, um, but it's not necessarily tragic. So um, I think, I think, yeah, this might be okay. But uh, it just might not be my thing because I agree with you. I don't don't love it. I I got angry about a book that I just recently read because I felt like there was a bait and switch. Like it was supposed to be a rom-com, but I ended up hating everyone. And um, and then there was a twist in there. I don't want to give it away. That made me be like, this wasn't a (laughs) rom-com. This was there was no comedy. Um, But yeah, so but other people loved it. I mean, these films kind of live or die on like that one like what do you want scene right from notebook like what is that what is the what do you want Mm -hmm. scene of this story and will not Aaron Eckhart or Simu Lu be well there's also just been ongoing discussion I don't know if you're on this side of Twitter or this side of movie Twitter but essentially like Mm rom-coms are yeah they like live and die on the chemistry of their leads and very um you know people were dragging Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon Cause they're like new rom com, <laughs> and like no one's playing Reese Witherspoon. Cause like we know she can rom com. Uh, we're like, what the fuck, Ashton Kutcher? Why are you like so like such a dud? And why is there like no chemistry on this red carpet? It's it's that is more important than the physical attractiveness than of the leads. That's more important than the um star of the leads. Like people like people fucking think like like it's pretty ca- ca- canonical that like Harry Met Sally is like the number one rom-com and Billy Crystal's mm-hmm. not attractive. Him and Meg Ryan should on paper not make any sense, but you know, it works because they have great chemistry. So I'm very curious from the trailer. It does not look like either couple has great chemistry. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. Han, what's popping with you? Uh, so this is a book, not something based on a book. Uh, it's called Counterfeit by Kirsten Chen. I read this recently. It's a very light, 
fun uh, read where basically a woman named Ava Wong, uh, she's telling this in the first person where basically she's talking about how, and you can tell this is kind of after the fact, but she got pulled into this counterfeit scheme where one of her um, college roommates that she only had in freshman year who went away and then 20 years later came back. Her name is Winnie Fong. And um, she has this whole scheme where she gets amazingly done counterfeit uh, purses made in China, um, goes to the U.S., buys a real one, returns the fake for a full price and um, sells the real one on eBay, makes a profit twice over. Um, and so she, so Ava gets pulled into this. And then as the story goes along, you realize that Ava is not just talking in first person because that's the narration, but because she is talking to a Ooh. detective. So um, it kind of unfolds from there. So it seems like she's been caught somehow. Um, and I don't want to give away too much, but what I enjoyed about this was... Uh, just there there are a few twists in there but also just um she is a she's has a life that's kind of like supposed to be perfect she went to stanford she was a lawyer she quit because um so she could get married well no she got married quit after she had a baby or had a baby um and supposedly it's still living a really great life, but uh, she's feeling a little unfulfilled, which is when Winnie swoops in, kind of. Um, and they talk a lot about purses and brands that I know the brands, but I don't know the purses. So as someone who does not care about this stuff, it was I still found it really fascinating and fun. I could definitely see this as a really great um, uh, movie. So um, I think that's kind of the mark of a really sort of fun, colorful and very fully realized, you know, story. Um, yeah, just good summer read. Uh, I know it's not <laughs> the summer, but yeah, easy read. Uh, she's uh, It's by Kirsten Chen. She's written a few other things, soy sauce for beginners and stuff like that. So are um, you like I just Googling the purses like as you're reading? <laughs> you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? What's a Jody? No, no, I, I kind of didn't care. Um, I mean, I knew, like, let's say, you know, I've heard the word Birkin before, and I knew what Hermes is, but like, what the description of it, I don't care. You know, <laughs> other people will find it like maybe like purse porn. Uh, but for me, I was just like, the fact that they said something was worth $10,000, I'm like, that's enough. That's like, it's even beyond my comprehension. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask. That was actually my first question was how like how brand porny is this book? Because like um, super. <laughs> um, but is it still like readable? Because like, you know, you have let's just say like Crazy Rich Asians was super brandy too, and that was like nigh unreadable for me. Um, how like how's the balance in this book? I, I I couldn't get through Crazy Rich Asians because I think the obsession and um worship of brands, like in a certain way. I think there needs to be a little bit of an irony because I've seen read a few other books where they kind of acknowledge that that's a big status thing. Whereas here it is, it is coming from, even though she is somewhat privileged, uh, it's still in some ways somewhat middle-class existence that she's living. So she's coming from it a little bit from the outside. Um, so she's never, you know, like owned something this elaborate before. And so it, in some ways you can see how she kind of gets sucked in um, into this lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, so I think that makes me a little bit, it made it easier for me. Fun. I might check that out. I <laughs> yeah. love, I love reading about, per, I love fashion books. Like if it involves food or fashion, I'm like, I'm there. A little crime. Yes. Yeah, it's an easy one. It's kind of like, you know, how we watch heist movies. It's kind of like, these are like crimes I don't really care about. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if the only people that are hurt are giant fashion conglomerates, is it really a crime? Yeah, well, you know, and there is some discussion about who's hurt by what and like the uh, the people working in factories and all this other stuff. So, you know, but it's still very light. <laughs> anyway, so that's me. What's popping with you, Marvin? So what's popping for me is I've been I've been we've been watching some reality TV, me and my wife. And one of the shows that we started um, based on your recommendation, Han, was Physical 100. And and I know Jess started this as well. Obsessed. Like, <laughs> we turned it on after the Super Bowl just because we wanted something to put on. And, you know, my wife's family is 
ethnic Chinese from Korea. So, you know, my mother-in-law watches, watches a lot of Korean shows. So I thought she probably heard of the show. Let's put it on, see what's what. And then four episodes later, we're just upstairs trying to binge as much as we can. Um, I've only watched the first five episodes because it's, you know, it's a good show when your partner says, you're not allowed to watch this without me. <laughs> And so I'm not fully caught up yet. I know we're up to episode eight right now, which is fine. I didn't realize the show wasn't finished yet. So I was, um, my wife was very upset when she found out that it's still ongoing, especially since oh. the show loves its very vicious cliffhangers. Finale is next week. So, yeah. Ooh, so you're going to be done. Oh my God. You got to catch so up before then. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm so excited. You watched a lot. You're like even ahead of me, Marvin. Um, and I usually, I'm like the one who like, <laughs> stays up all night binge watching um so yeah oh my god i'm like i keep saying i'm in like four or five different text threads talking about the show with various friend groups and i just keep <laughs> saying like whoever invented this show specifically the um torso plaster slash smashing <laughs> your torso plaster when you have to leave deserves a raise <laughs> they deserve to be kissed yeah the production value is so just over the top like con you did not um fully <laughs> convey how like extra the show is especially with like the very um squid game aesthetic like the very sinister aesthetic of the sets and the voice and the yeah it's it's but it dares <laughs> to ask like what if squid game were wholesome yes <laughs> um because you know in the way it's i realize like why i like this so much is like it's number one it's competency porn right it's shows where like people who are talented get rewarded so that's why i like bake off pottery top chef um, but like, unlike those shows where like, you don't, you can't taste the food. Like you can't really see, like, you may not understand like the language of fashion or why something is like, like good or bad. I'm like, I know how hard it is to hang from a bar. I can't do it at all. <laughs> so the fact that, you know, they're just doing it for like 18 fucking minutes. Like, like, I'm like, it's so visceral. You're like, yes, that is, I understand that is a difficult feat. <laughs> and then they're also nice to each other. Mm -hmm. Like in that very like respectful, like nice, wholesome way. It's just like, like, oh, like you're very strong or like I'm a big fan. Like, oh, uh, I would love to fight you. It would be my honor. And then it's just like and the way I'm just like, this is this is a great mix. Who knew? Yeah. My wife and I were discussing when they inevitably make this into a American version, it's gonna be insufferable. It's gonna be terrible because we're gonna be only influencers like um bulk up. Like we're gonna have a hundred bulk ups <laughs> and no like other fun characters. You know? Um, it's just gonna be like the annoying people. And my friend pointed out, like in other cultures, like in Asia and even in Europe, um, you know, like there are less homophobe there like there's less not saying there isn't, but you know, like men will like comment on like the physicality of other men. And be like, won't oh, be like, seen. yeah, yeah, like you're, oh, like you're very fit, or like, wow, you look so, you look great, or like your your abs look great, or like you're dressed very well, and like, oh, he's so handsome, you know, like it's, you know, it's it's they're not afraid to say that, so it again, it comes off very wholesome and respectful. I already see the American version be like, oh, bro, no homo, yeah. um, which is not yeah. fun. It, it's really, I think that's kind of the key to this like yes the over the top stuff and the the mood and the atmosphere and stuff like that and how fit these people are but I mean, it they really have abs is on abs on abs it's like i didn't realize you can have abs growing on top of your abs in your shoulders oh yeah yeah, yeah. uh wait until you get to a challenge where they show off their thighs it's, oh my god <laughs> it's insane um I love but that. <laughs> but um it is truly the sportsmanship that makes this bearable and supremely watchable um i will once you get well marvin you probably saw one person but i don't want to talk about it because i don't know if jess gotten there yet one person that universally a lot of people disliked um i mean because, yeah. yeah i mean you know how I'm far are you about. jess i'm on i'm on they just finished the one-on-ones or they're they're they the, i'm on the cliffhanger of the one-on-one between two mma fighters the really famous one that everyone really likes Oh, and like the one who like okay. is challenging him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. okay, I I'm with you, Han. I don't want to give it away. I just yeah. find it supremely ironic. And just when you get to this, you'll know what I'm talking about. That the person that I hate the most is on the team I want the most to win. 
Yes, yes. Oh. Who ends up on the team you want the most to win. So <laughs> all drama. So there's a I there's a turnabout it. is fair play sort of thing, you know. So we're trying to Yeah, th- th- that was a they couldn't have planned that. And yet that was just like, oh, man. I mean, they could not plan that, but you saw it coming. You saw it coming. Yeah. But that also made it like, yeah, it's extra juicy. Um, I will say as someone really bad with face recognition, though, it's been tough. It's been tough in the first few episodes because they like barely gave you an intro. There's a lot of attractive men. I'm not going to lie. I'm not looking at their face all the time during the intros. So I'm just like, who's that? The Do only one I really recognized favorites? was Buff J. Chow. Because that's we all love I Buff saw. J. Chow. <laughs> the themes are the, the, the memes alone on Buff J. Chow are great. Love um I really like the Olympians. So I love gymnasts, five two gymnasts, uh-huh. my yeah. one sixty CM King. Haksun, yeah. <laughs> love mountain rescue guy who, yeah, who ice won climber. that child who's just like, I can't let a firefighter win. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh he's just so derpy. Like when he walked in, number one, everyone's like, What? Yeah, like we have all these fitness models who are gorgeous, and then he walks in. And it's like wait, he's like, oh what? hi, and he knows he's like, oh, I'm like, I think he knew he had a good shot because of like you know the what he does on the day to day, but also he's just kind of like, oh, he he's I think he's somewhat aware that like no one would have expected him to be like number one, and he's just like kind of like awkwardly walking in. Uh, yeah, those are fun. I again love the Olympians. Uh, they're always fun. The losers. The, the skeleton folks yeah, yeah the they're fun mm-hmm. um and then uh i was sad when agent h got kicked off <laughs> yes because his name was agent h the h stands for hubris uh yes um but yeah no it's really fun it, i think they got a good mix of folks like you know like it's always surprising who ends up winning right like you think a dancer has no shot and you're like oh okay like that was the <laughs> strategy that was guy, right yeah that was a guy from singles inferno Yes, yes. And he beat like a the farmer. The, right? oh, the farmer. oh my god, the farm bitches were thir- Yeah. Dude, bitches <laughs> love the farmer. He's like very famous now in Korea. But also right before he he smashed his plaster bus, I think he was saying, like, I need to go back to my turnips and something. I was like, Farmer, I love you. Yeah. No, their interactions with their torso, their their plaster torsos are hilarious. They're like, I'm just I'm just gonna hug it one time before I yes. smash it oh, or yeah. like or like, why can't I just take it home? Or like the ones who are really hard on themselves. Like, I didn't work I didn't hard enough. It. I need to go work harder. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then like, you know, the randoms. Like we have the random German white guy. We have like the random American baseball player who's just like taller than everyone else. Yeah. I mean, while watching this show in the back of my head, I feel like this is just a long con for all of us to be South Korea supporters at the next Olympics. Because now we oh. know all the people. Oh, it works. Like, all of this is working. Because the fact that I recognize one guy from Singles Inferno, and then now, once I watch this, I will look up what other reality shows some of these people end up on. Because you know that this is very much just like all the other reality shows where they just move on to other things. So, yeah, and I the just, whole world yeah. will be rooting for Sunbin at the next Olympics, right? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, is he an Olympian? I can't remember now. He um, is a gold he is. He's medalist. The yeah, gold medals. Yeah, medalist. don't oh, don't okay. know if he's still competing, but um, cause yeah, like, but oh my god, like when when I was watching the match between Buff J Chow and the other guy, just <laughs> just the SZA big boy SNL loop in my head, like nonstop. <laughs> I'm like, that's a big boy, and I'm mm, okay. Yeah, into it. All right. Well, love a show where. Every contestant is a go Asian contestant, um, yes. or almost every. Almost. You know, we accept Miracle. Yeah, I, I he's he's quite just very enjoyable. He's hey, Dustin of- Nippert speaks more Korean than I do, so <laughs> you go, Dustin Nippert. <laughs> well, I guess um, I guess we'll check back next week to see. Um, like all of us are going to catch up by next week, right? Yeah, I'm going to uh, the finale. All yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, stay tuned to our. Detail analysis of the finale of Physical 100 <laughs> next week. Um, but on that note, that'll do it for what's popping. Uh, when we come back, we're talking about, um, what are we talking about? I only think about abs now. Poker face. We're talking <laughs> and, about poker face. <laughs> and how I'm like, man, I should really go to the gym. We should. I go to the gym. I don't do any of that shit. But like, have I been <laughs> doing planks more? Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, as, as, as I've heard multiple times, abs are made in the kitchen. And as someone who just ate like a bucket of cream corn for dinner, 
I do not think I will be getting abs anytime soon. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. Stick around. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Bowl Book, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Potion by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. This week we're talking about the new Peacock original series, Poker Face, uh, created by Knives Out director Ryan Johnson, starring Tasha Leone as Charlie Kale, who is a... Um, Human lie detector. Yeah, that's her ability. But I was about to say, would you call her like a, a, a vagrant? Not, not a vagrant, right? A drifter? Well, she's on the run. That's why she is vagranting. <laughs> but yes, a human lie she's detector who yeah. has to be on the run. Yeah, um, from some very scary people, thanks to her um, lie detecting abilities. And the series follows her adventures through small town um, Southern America, um, solving mysteries inadvertently um, while she tries to stay one step ahead of her pursuers. Uh, it is a Murder of the Week style um, show with Natasha Leon as the central investigator. And it's a lot of fun. Um, I am currently uh, three episodes in. Um, out of the six episodes, I believe they're out right now. Well, there will be seven by the time they hear this. Yeah, and um, I'm having a really great time. Um, I know Han and Jess, you guys are a little bit further than I am, but um, I feel comfortable enough in my thoughts about this to to talk about the show with the rest of you. And plus, it's not exactly um, a type of show that um, you can really spoil because um, the show kind of spoils it for you because it's a Columbo-style mystery. So um, we already know just thought about the show from her What's Poppin' last week. Um, so um, let's start with Han. What did you think of Poker Face? Um, so while I knew the premise, I didn't actually watch it until more recently just because I had I have too much TV to catch up on, including K-dramas. Um, but I did know that, you know, uh, Natasha Lyonne did talk about Columbo before as one of the influences. And one of the things I really love about that is because she does have this very dry and kind of raspy voice and sort of, you know, kind of like Peter Falk. It, it kind of does that thing where she's like walks away and she's like but turns it back and she's like wait wait one more thing i have just one more question for you um because she knows and she can tell that someone is you know lying that she needs to get clarification to see what the lie is like if you have a very long sentence she doesn't exactly know where the lies anyway so i do love the fact that this is um one of those sorts of it's sort of like a, it's an episodic, you know, murder of the week. The premise is great because since she's traveling across the country, that means she's always encountering new people, which means tons of guest stars. Um, and the setup sort of just lends itself to that sort of variety, but also nice, <laughs> cozy deaths and the creative deaths. And um, and so what's funny is, you know, you get it you, because the setup is to see the death first and then it uh rewinds the clock and t uh to show like a day or two before when she enters the picture and interacts with the dead person or the person who will die um there's that uh dramatic tension and um and also kind of gives you that thing where you're just like oh my favorite uh my favorite actors in this uh oh i hope they don't they're not the one that dies or maybe they are going to be the one that dies and how do they die so there's just a lot of uh just a fun creative way of entering into every episode 
Yeah, I mean, the um, the way that the show jumps back in time was a little jarring at first for me because uh, Ryan Johnson doesn't really um, cue it up. Like, there's no indication that time has jumped back. He just goes into the next scene and all of a sudden the dead person is alive again. But, um, you know, after watching a couple episodes, you start getting into the rhythm of the show and it didn't bother me as much after that. But what I thought was really cool is, like, in other murder procedurals, the murder scene cold open is, like, maybe a couple minutes and you kind Kind of just you know the characters only exist um to be killed off whereas in poker face the cold open murder scenes is like its own short film with like tons of character development yeah i mean it's usually like the act one um and it's like very stressful after the first few episodes because you know someone's gonna die so you're just kind of like who's gonna die and how um and you're just like he gives you a lot of um red herrings uh, or, or the script gives you a lot of red herrings. And then you do the rewind and you get kind of to see how um, Charlie's, Natasha Leone's character somehow gets involved with this whole <laughs> shenanigans again. And again, for someone who's trying to lay low, her fatal flaw is that she can't help but get involved, which is a fatal flaw I deeply, deeply understand and relate to. Um, and, and then, you know, it's, it is quite funny to see, it's almost like a a Rashomon thing, right? You kind of like moments from that first act that were like big moments you see from a different point of view and things that, uh, and then vice versa. Um, so, but am I the only, is this how Columbo work? Like you get the murder first? Cause I have, am I the only one who's just never seen Columbo? Maybe. I mean, I, mean, I haven't seen, seen Columbo, Columbo in earnest, earnest but, but I've heard but, enough people talk um, about I've heard Columbo enough people talk about Columbo to know how Columbo works. Clips and of Columbo it's actually, it's very like, um, you can definitely get similar, the Columbo right? vibe. Columbo himself is, the Columbo show is structured show. very like, similarly. Columbo, uh, Columbo the detectives in the show um, always start with the murder. Um, is a very slow is. And the show is all about how Columbo figures out all the killers and catches them in a confession um, and you know much like Natasha Leon's kind of Charlie Colombo is a very always unassuming into, kind of schlubby like, type of kind investigator of, um, so he always catches his is always actually one guard and you know, each show is the way Colombo works is off you start with the interrogation murder. scene where Columbo and then the rest of the show is how is Columbo a ton of questions and at the end and then um, <laughs> and with a oh one more thing um, which so definitely it's kind of similar to what Charlie does to her suspects as well, except in a more you know roundabout way. I feel like Poker Face is probably Columbo meets like um, like a Cohen's brother caper, right? Because yeah, all the murders in this show they're not like elaborate schemes or anything. They're all kind of just <laughs> just wait. Oh, <laughs> wait till episode five. <laughs> okay. Um, but most of the murders I've seen so far on the show have been, you know, driven by the big goals and dreams of like small town folk and grifters, right? Yes. They're, every, they're everyday killings. <laughs> uh, I did, it did, again, the weird things I start thinking about in the middle of the night. I'm like, what would, how would I try to kill somebody? Like, oh, like, this is a, a lot of, a lot of these folks, I do think are smart. They're not trying to get rid of the body, right? They're just trying to kill them and then find an excuse to say they didn't do it or like it was a suicide or something. I was like, oh, that's a that's a interesting yeah. take. Um, because then buried all put away. Um, and I was like, oh, what would I do to yeah. if I was trying to get away with murder? I don't know. <laughs> Some of these like plots are quite clever. Yeah, I think what I like about this because you know I know I was sort of the uh, wah, wah, um, <laughs> sad sack when I was talking about uh, Glass Onion um, is that I think this does exactly what I want from Ryan Johnson, which is he's great with colorful characters. He he obviously loves murder mysteries. Um, he's very creative. He has lots of pop culture references. Um, and he he lo- he's an actor's director, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so since he is a lover of murder mysteries, he probably has a book full of ways to kill people. Um, and so they can be small and they are in the everyday realm of things. And so this is allows him to just like, oh, this episode's going to be this one. So he's probably just flipping through his book trying to figure out something or once he gets an actor he's like well actually this actor will fit this you know murder plot um pretty well so yeah i it's 
been a lot of fun to think about that yeah. too. Like, w- what are the murder things I would like to do? And because he does isn't tied into creating elaborate uh, murder mystery solving thing, like with the Benoit Blanc cases, um, he's able to just have fun with it. Yeah, and I love that these are like contemporary murder. Like they're like all the murders have been not just the murders, but all the characters in these murders have all been just so. <laughs> So interesting, right? You have like the the subway sandwich artist TikTok influencer. Mm-hmm. You have like the barbecue pop up man. Like it's all like settings that in the same vein as like a Law and Order, ripped from the headlines, but it from like regular as pop culture. Yes, and it is. It's it puts a contemporary cool spin on what is essentially a very old formula. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is the who done it murder of the week, not serialized generally, mur- mur- like murder. This is this is you know we've been comparing to Columbo. It's it's murder she it's wrote, murder she wrote. I mean, which which also plays in episode five. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a bunch of ladies who are obsessed with murder she wrote in the retirement home, <laughs> and this is just kind of like. What and of course it's it's on stream, so it's just like it's one of the oldest formulas, which is also like I think it also streams back to like radio and even plays mm-hmm. like Agatha Christie plays, but it's just done with like the utmost talent, right? Like the utmost budget, the utmost lighting, the utmost production design, the utmost talent. It's but really, it is no different than your like Law and Order SUV episode, except the main character is not a cop. Which is, which is great. Which again, I think that is also part of the like contemporary take <laughs> on this. And um, she's not even a private investigator, right? She's just like a person getting caught up who can't let things go because she's a good person. Uh, so we want to root for her. And she just has this special ability, which is this fun device that like gets us to places. And, you know, it's also like, it's just so like, it's not really reinventing anything. It's just doing it really, really well. And it just proves to me that people just want People just want good TV. We want old good TV. Bring back cable. <laughs> I'm tired of streamers. Bring back cable. I would have taken 22 episodes of this. Well, like in the season. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the good news is there is a second season ordered just today. Um, so, so yes, even though this 10 is going to end in probably the next month, you are still getting more. And that just means that he just needs to gather more friends uh, together. Yes. I mean, I hope they wrap up the, um, running away from the mob boss storyline by the end of this season. So like, or somewhat, somehow (laughs) at least reaches a conclusion. It might still extend in some other way, but yeah, Yeah. I agree. Um, Or like, like maybe the Benjamin Bratt part. Um, wraps up and we get a new henchman on the ground oh. uh, yeah. for the second season because also like this that's the mechanism for her traveling and that's why mm-hmm. we get these fun scenes so she's obviously moving um, east through the south of the United States and each time we're getting a new setting whether it's you know we start off in Vegas outside Vegas we're going to Arizona Texas and that gives us a lot of fun regional flavor Speaking of flavor, Marvin, I thought of you a lot during that barbecue episode. Oh, yeah. Adjacent to the barbecue murder is a um, public radio slash um, Uh podcast. Like local. Local, yeah. Uh, Local, yeah. There's a Uh, scene where you see um, a character clicking stuff together and it sounds like a gun, but then he pulls up and it's a Zoom recorder. And I'm like, I have that Zoom recorder. (laughs) <laughs> was that true to form yeah i mean i don't think my zoom recorder sounds like a gun being loaded when i put it together but you know you got to take some some liberties there the gag right, can we talk the gag about, was can we talk about the real star of that episode yes. though fascist yes. dog <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you described this fascist racist dog to me last week and it did not prepare me for how chuffed yeah how chuffed like, i was surprisingly be. chuffed no i told you he's a fascist dog um but what an invention. What a character. Even the character that has no lines is a delight. <laughs> um, and, and again, contemporary twist. You know, we, we get a motivation shift in one of the main characters in the episode because he watched a Netflix movie called Okja. 
Yeah, that was, that was a great. That gag. is a, a Bong, <laughs> a, you know, Bong Joon Ho really acclaimed movie. But also, yeah, as soon as I saw the the three movies coming out, and they said, "And here's Okja," the first half of it's very cute. I haven't seen She's the rest. Like, of I it. haven't finished. And I was it, like, oh, I was like God. "Oh no!" <laughs> um, that is also dramatic tension right there where the viewer knows something that the, the characters do not yet um yeah good stuff good yeah. stuff and Does that's also think part that of originally the show mm-hmm. was supposed to be on netflix that seems like mm-hmm. unintentional synergy right there maybe but it also it feels like he just draws from all pop culture so that was probably just happened to be you know fitting the actual theme it's probably the best one for the uh, the purposes of the character. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. speaking of character, uh, a murder mystery procedural lives or dies on the um, strength of its central investigator. And in this show, it is Natasha Leon's Charlie Kale. Um, I want to get your thoughts on how she does in terms of leading this uh, murder mystery series. Well, I think with like with a lot of people... Um, I love her as an actress. I think she can do anything and I will watch it. I think even before American Pie, let's see, I think I remember uh, I remember her in Slums of Better Really Hills, but I think it was actually one of her earliest roles was But I'm a Cheerleader that I remember thinking yes. like, what is this movie and why is she so fun and what is this? Uh, and so I've kind of just been following her career all, all along. Um and uh, I remember, I think I interviewed her for Orange is the New Black or something something else around the Orange is the New Black sort of time period. And she was a delight. And um, after my interview, she kept talking to me and I had it recorded some for a little bit because I had a folder with sushi cats on it. And she just kept talking about the sushi cats. And I was just like, I like you as a person, too. So um, I, I really enjoyed when she came back for uh, Russian Doll. Her character on Russian Doll is in some ways kind of like Charlie Kale. Um, but I think it's also maybe just because that's how she is in life. Um, I saw her recently at press tour and she is so much like her character. She's She talks like her. She has a great sense of humor. She can just roll out one-liners like she's your Jewish mother. Um, just... I don't know. She's she's a delight. And I feel like Ryan Johnson knew what she was he was getting and kind of just created the character for her, you know, or along the lines that like shows her off and lets her be her. Uh, so, yeah, I the, the fact that she is also a detective sort of, but she's not. No one's hiring her, yes. um, but she's she's falling into this because she can detect lies, which makes me think since I cannot detect lies like she can, or at least I don't think as, I'm as good as it, then maybe there's deaths all around me that I don't know about and murders all around me that are just being covered up. Um, but yeah, which I think makes her even more endearing because she could just ignore it. That's the thing. Like if no one else knew what she she knows, she could just ignore it. But because she is also a good person at heart, she does something about it. So um, yeah, I, I find her just a perfectly delightful character. Yeah, I think there's a fine balance between she's competent enough to keep the story moving, like the character, but she's kind of oblivious enough where she puts (laughs) herself in danger multiple times per episode. Because again, the dramatic tension, the irony is that we know who committed the murder and she does not. So she's, you know, usually getting in very close quarters with these murderers. Um, She's like giving it away that she knows that there the death was not accidental or su- a suicide that you know foul play and that's you know half the fun of it um i also think that you know ironically charlie is the straight man even though she is a little <laughs> more flamboyant of a straight man than than usually how straight men go but she's the straight man to all these like very um kind of larger than life characters in these different settings so so that interplay of how you know there's usually someone who she really connects with per episode and someone who she really like rubs against per episode and sometimes that changes midway through the episode um and and a lot of times she is doing this or getting involved to help a friend and that's how it all gets started right her friend gets murdered and that's what sets her off on this journey. So I think it's very very easy to root for the character and you know of course it's easy to root for Natasha Leone um and she's it's weird to call a 40 year old woman cute 
She is. She's like very cute. She's like, adorable. B- but like not in a condescending way. Like no. in a like, oh, you're just so like adorable and I want to like be in your orbit. And then I think it's also really interesting that like she's a she's a woman. And I know that that's not necessarily new. Murder she wrote is you know Angelica Fletcher. Agatha Christie has a there's there's like there's like in literature and writing and TV there's a long history of female investigators. But I heard a note one time from a movie exec who was like, "Oh, like people are more fearful when the protagonist is a female or a woman." And gets put in danger than if they were a man being put in danger. That's why most horror movies have female protagonists at the center of it or the last girl. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting from a gender politics way that, you know, like she's a small woman kind of just driving off by herself, getting mm-hmm. in these, there's this big scary man after her. So, um, and, and all, and she is not in a position of power. That's the thing. Like a lot of other detectives and cops in these mm-hmm. dramas are in a position of power. They're protected or there's always a duo dynamic like in Bones or Castle where there's like a man. There's like a romantic. She's just by herself every episode, which I appreciate because as much as I like the will they won't they burn. It's also nice to have like a story plot line of protagonist not driven by romance at all. I, I, I Yeah. And I also like that she's ethically gray. Like she has cheated she has done oh, she'll lie yeah. right but that's fine because yeah. she's not a cop like she's working right. outside the she's, justice system she's definitely to get the done she's definitely done criminal things and um and she's essentially living in poverty right she's on the run she has no actual paycheck um so there's just a lot of things about her that are not the typical protagonist but she's so winning and and the, one of the reasons like how you can tell that is because she does befriend all these people and that's how when they eventually die, that's when you're just like she gets pulled into it. So I was like, yes, I totally understand. I would love to hang out with her. Uh, what would you do if you're just like, on, you know, you're moving around and all your friends just like everywhere you go, just start dying? Would you just be like, I need to stop talking to people or like, would you think it was a you problem? <laughs> I mean, that I think that's one of the great things about her is I don't want to say she's unflappable because she clearly is like, oh, no, this is wrong. I need to do something. But she does seem resilient. <laughs> so. I, mean, I mean, obviously, she's the protagonist of a murder mystery series. So it's just it just <laughs> comes with the territory. Um, but one thing I love about the conceit of her special ability is um, that throughout the show, once you know that she is a human lie detector, you're noticing whenever she like notices someone's lying. And I think that's part of the fun of the show, too. It's just like, okay, we know who the bad guys are. We know what they did. And now we're seeing our main character put the pieces together. And there's something exciting about that as well, right? I Yes. And the other thing I have to say is when other characters know that she is a human lie detector, I totally judge them when they're bad liars. Because I'm just like, come on, you can do better than that. <laughs> yeah, or you can tell how smart someone is depending on, like, what they say. Right, right. right. Um, yeah, and you're, you're like, you're like, oh, like, I, I see why you phrased it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, I was like, people need to learn how to lie better. But then maybe that's not the takeaway that they should have for the show. <laughs> All right. Have to ask, what did everyone think of Hong Chao's character, Marge the Trucker? You know what? Oh, I ended up really liking her. First of all, she, I think, was from Texas or uh, or anyway, she had a Southern accent, a vaguely Southern accent. And she was a trucker and she was a loner. She all, also was on the run. So I, I thought that was interesting. And of course, the fact that her name was Marge made me think that this was a callback to Large Marge, who was also a trucker who picked up Pee Wee Herman um, as a hitchhiker from Pee Wee's Great Adventure. Oh. Um, I, I have not confirmed this. I need to talk to Ryan Johnson. <laughs> but I would not be surprised, given his love of pop culture references, that that would be the, uh, the inspiration for this type name. Love, love the off-the-grid tips. Um, I'm going to apply them to my real life. Love how that carries over even in later episodes with the gluing things shut. Um, yeah, had had a really it, it's you know, Ryan Johnson has a good way of in his casting sometimes subverting expectations and being color conscious, I would say. Um, and you know, it's always just fun to see Hong Hong Chao's good at everything, you know, best best part of the menu. 
best part of um what was that terrible Matt Damon movie? Downsizing. Downsizing. Yeah, she's just always great. So again, <laughs> seeing like, you know, Academy caliber art um actors really just getting to like cook for like five, 10 to 15 minutes as a character actor is always really fun. Yeah, that was the one bummer about the episode. It's not enough Hong Chao. I know. I wish she came back, but I guess she was in jail. So <laughs> But she was just yeah, I think I think she had such a great presence that um let's uh, hey look we might be able to see her again you never know um but uh yeah i i also just like that she was just this drifter um yes the super glue for uh to um basically fuse all your cuts and knife wounds and bloody gashes together that's great uh also if you use an atm they can track you in four hours four hours four yeah hours. i'm learning really valuable life lessons right <laughs> yeah. now i like how ev- everyone has like an old school digital casio watch for some reason um so they can put the timer on <laughs> for for their uh yeah. four hours yeah uh yeah. Well, I bet you you know why, right? I bet you it's because he doesn't want to use phones because right. Apple has that weird stipulation in their contract. Or, I mean, you can, you smartwatches also still have it, but I like the idea because why would you have a smartwatch? Because you could get tracked, you know, yes. or whatever. So, yeah, I, I like the digital watch. Um, I, Also, I had a digital watch in the 80s myself, in you know, the 80s and 90s. Oh. But uh, yeah, I do I, find it funny that I just assume every single person in these episodes, every single actor is in something else, like I, whether it's a TV show or a movie, because, you know, there's maybe in each episode I recognize 80 percent. Yes. One or two actors. I don't know who they are. And it's really like uh, it's really been an exercise in like generational difference. <laughs> yeah. So like Megan Suri, she was in the second se- was introduced in the second season of Never Have I Ever. Yeah. She was the other uh, Indian girl, right? Yeah. She yes. Is. Brandon Michael Hall. And then but in the uh, the Little Rel Howery mm-hmm. one, I remember thinking like, oh, that's Danielle McDonald who, you know, but then I was like, who's the other one? Like, who's the radio DJ? And I actually had to look him up. And I was like, oh, he's that. But he's amazing. He's great in the episode. So, yeah, I like <laughs> this also as a way for people to discover these actors who if you missed one or two of their movies, you might not know them. But they all shine in their way. Um, yeah. And you can tell that they are. <laughs> yeah. Because you know how a lot of murder mysteries also like film, like SU- SVU specifically, or like Law and Order films in New York. Um, so they always have like Broadway folks mm-hmm. in there, like like playing the guest star. Or like, it's like a rite of passage to like have, to be like the body or like to be like a suspect in a Law and Order episode. Um, on your like acting career, it would be fun if there was like some kind of like, oh, he's casting like every like like every single person who's been in the menu. Yeah, <laughs> like right, he's, he's like halfway there. We know three of them at least have shown up so uh, in this season so far. Yeah, so. Just yeah. For or if he could Holt get like and, a um, Anya Taylor Joy, and we we've got. Or if he could get like, wouldn't it be fun if he like got a full cast from something to play different characters? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be sort of like that anthology uh, Ryan Murphy sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> but fun. I mean, speaking of New York, something interesting that I read was that the entire series is actually shot in like upstate New York. Yeah, even though she's traveling cross country, they just have changed things around to sort of make it fit. <laughs> yeah, so. and that's props to oh, that's the very uh, convincing. Yeah. yeah, and that's props to the production designer Judy Ree, who another Go Asian moment. Um, Yay! Yes, uh, and then the cinematographer is Asian on some of these episodes, Christine Ng, yes. and there is a writer on this show called Alice Ju, yes. who is not. I do not know her, and my last name is very uncommon. So you're I'm like, related. are we distant cousins? Yes, you're related. <laughs> Alice Ju, hit me up. Yeah. All right. Um, um, as someone who has not caught up with the show, I do want to ask you, who um, I, I do want to ask none the both of you. Um, does the quality keep up? Have we peaked or are we still peaking? No, no. So you've seen three episodes, right? Um, and we're up through seven by the time people hear this. A lot of people said that like episode five is the best. But honestly, I feel that every episode has been good in its own way. And um, that's pretty strong. Uh, strong writing, strong everything. 
um, yes. all around. So, I, yeah, I haven't really found like I like one better than the other. Maybe the first episode was just the sort of setup for me, but I like coming in with the whole murder of the week sort of thing. That's yes. that's my favorite thing. So honestly, uh, I've enjoyed been enjoying all of them. I don't know, Jess, you're probably have watched one more episode than I have. So I don't yes. know if you have a different opinion. I think part of the fun of the show is that you're getting exploring very like niche worlds, uh, mm-hmm. very niche communities. So I think some of it is going to be personal preference of what tickles your funny bone. For instance, the most recent episode, as of recording, episode six uh, takes place in the mer- dinner theater. So there's <laughs> a lot of stage jokes, which I, of course, <laughs> very much enjoyed. Um, you know, the barbecue episode really made me think of you, Marvin, because I know you, you know, used to you've done a lot of podcast producing um around and that I've topic also eaten a lot of barbecue. and you've eaten a lot of barbecue <laughs> and, and it was Texas- about radio right <laughs> like so so that made me think of you and i was like oh marvin's gonna love this episode and i've had texas barbecue so <laughs> and then and then you know sometimes like the 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 final like hat trick on some of these episodes are really great um like the final joke or like the final comeuppance for the uh, murderer it's really great i think i think specific- yeah. one episode it's like really like the last joke I well, I don't want to give away too much, but like you know, there's just like very funny jokes scattered throughout. I think they're all strong. The next episode that's premiering Thursday is called "The Future of the Sport." I'm sure that will be sports related. <laughs> what sport? I do not know. That that sounds really fun. And then you know, the last episode is going to be dec- it's called "The Hook," and it's going to be directed by Janiska Bravo, who did um, Zola. Zola. Mm-hmm. So and written by Ryan Johnson. So, you know, I have a feeling that it's just going to be pretty fun all throughout. We haven't seen a lot of the guest stars that have been announced. Stephanie Sue has not showed up yet. Mm-hmm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has not showed up yet. You know, Ryan Johnson favorite. Mm-hmm. Cherry Jones hasn't showed up yet. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's it seems seems quite fun. And then, you know, we get another season, which means a whole other guest list of actors and you know actors like once they see something fun and they really like i'm sure like they're getting their agents like they want in right um so it's also a low commitment um one episode shorter than a movie yeah yeah it can't be more than like a week and a half two weeks of shooting and doing something creative and colorful and maybe that where you're not typecast yeah or with other fun people right yep so what's the over-under of um, Benoit Blanc showing up in one of these episodes? I feel like season two, unless it's in the finale. Um, <laughs> but I hope that doesn't happen. Like, don't Jedi this. Well, like, no, don't, no. don't insert a Skywalker in every... I or, don't... Are you talking about Daniel Craig, just yeah, generally? I, 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 I was thinking more Daniel Craig, not Benoit Blanc. Oh, I'm thinking Benoit Blanc. I'm thinking he shows up <laughs> as, a, as a counter-investigator and they, like, investigate together. What if, what if in the next Knives Out movie... Charlie Kill is the um, is the assistant to Benoit Blanc. Like that's how it wraps up. Like <laughs> Benoit Blanc helps like, get her out of this like the big issue. No, she <laughs> needs to help him <laughs> somehow. She's essentially Marta 2.0. Like they have similar abilities, right? No, Marta can't lie. Oh, it's true. It's different. She vomits when she lies. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Um, I guess as we wrap up, is Poker Face good pop? Yes. And I'm very pro. Let's go back to the good shit. Let's go back to what works. Let's go back to network sitcoms. Let's go back to network procedurals, but like do it at the highest level caliber and remove the stigma so we can get really great actors and talent doing this for fun and giving us good shit. Uh, yes, I would agree. I like the fact that is sort of a throwback, sort of like Fantasy Island or The Love Boat, where your favorite characters come on to fall in love or do whatever or get killed. Um, and yet it's also just clean enough. I mean, yes, there's a little cussing. Um, but overall, I still say fun for the whole family. I would love my mom to watch this. I can't get her Peacock. I've been paying too, for too many of her streaming services. But uh, <laughs> I will figure out a way to get her to watch it. I think she would really enjoy this. Yeah, I'm having a ton of fun as well. I definitely think it's good pop. Um, I love that, like you mentioned, this show um, has all of these A-list, like Academy Award winning actors playing all of these interesting parts. Like you have Adrian Brody in the first episode playing like a one-off villain. Uh, And I just feel like um, this whole series is just Ryan Johnson cashing in all of his goodwill, getting all these cool people to come and play with him. And I'm just 
It makes me excited to see what he does next. Like, honestly, thank God Ryan Johnson just seems like a very, like, pure puppy dog of a man who, mm-hmm. like, has all this power in Hollywood and is just like, I want to make fun murder mysteries with cool people. Like, it could have gone very poorly otherwise. <laughs> it could have been like a, like a D and David Benioff and vice thing where they're like we want to make a series about the confederate united states and like no we don't want that <laughs> he's like let's just make a fun mystery starring natasha leon we're like yes we want more of that please yeah. all right well poker face is currently in the middle of its first season with a second season on its way um streaming now on peacock which is a bummer because um even with the the basic service you're gonna get commercials with uh, with with your with your viewing experience but you know i'm just imagining i'm just watching tv normally and just using the commercials honestly peacock is kind of killing the original game original series game nbc so like maybe it's worth investing in yeah i guess on that note that'll do it for this episode of the good pop culture club uh jess han if people want to find out more of your thoughts where can they go on Twitter, um, ignore all the Elon Musk tweets and follow me at Just You Tweets. <laughs> yeah, uh, fix your algorithm and just check me out. I'm at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. Uh, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll see you all next time on the Good Pop Culture Club. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Ramen. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Ramen Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Arrakis to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. <laughs> <laughs>